Hello everyone, Carter here, bringing you another episode of Out of the Hourglass, presented by Nolan Consulting Group, a podcast dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop their teams, and build sustainable growth, so that business operations don't run solely through them. We want to get business owners out of the hourglass. This week, Brian is helping Kevin clean up the mess. Nolan Painting President Kevin Nolan joins NCG Managing Partner Brian Nolan as they team up to squash some of Kevin's most recent pressing issues. Today, Kevin brings a number of topics ranging from HR to difficult customers and beyond. Thanks for listening, and as always, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Enjoy the show. All right, we're back. Brian Nolan here with my brother and partner, Kevin Nolan. Welcome, Kevin. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Lessons in Leadership, Business is Messy, uh, where we put systems in place, but we realize problems still happen, where Kevin whines on Monday morning, and then he had triumphs by Wednesday. You can almost see the mood in him change as no, he figures out. it doesn't happen out. that fast, Brian. It doesn't, but he, he does take some time to whine, and I'm usually the victim or the audience behind that. And good oh. thing I'm a good listener, because I... I work hard at it. But I just today, finished saying before we started, how is Brian going to make fun of me today? So now we know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, I, I just speak truth. It's okay. uh, I think that's important. Okay. Right? This is another adventure, yeah. and Kevin carries heavy rocks. Brian tells people about them. <laughs> They're beautiful rocks, I got to tell you. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we do have messes today, you know, particularly as spring heats up. Um, uh, <clears throat> we have... Uh, we have injuries to talk about. We have lots of employee exits and the reasons why. We have uh, surprise inspections by government bodies. We have the cost of warranties that, that add up. We have another tough customer. And we have litigious employees. Here we go. <clears throat> Kev, a back injury happens Monday morning after a brutal weekend. I was over his house, and he's, he's got a playground there of uh, all kinds of big toys, tractors and He's cutting down trees, and so his back is probably hurting, but My that's back not what happened. That morning, too. But what look, I had a history yeah. of back, of back issues, like many people have, and so I do have some knowledge of them. Um, but yeah, so I had a back injury Monday morning, and last week was the tough week. Most of the problems I'll be talking about today um, all happened last week. <laughs> they, they tend to happen lots of times in clumps and clusters, or at least that's the way it feels. I'm sure everybody has that, that phenomenon, like all of a sudden where it's just dumping on you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was felt like I was getting a handle on most of them by, by the weekend and the end of the week and last week. And that by, by Monday morning, I was ready to start anew. And a few minutes into the week, we have, uh, our first injury, a job leader, just doing a, a simple move, stepping off a ladder. And, you know, people tend to be suspicious about that Monday morning injury. Like maybe they heard it playing soccer and limped into work, mm. or maybe they were cutting down trees like I was. And then and then limped into work. Um, I try to avoid that. I try to just, just skip to what are we going to do about it, right? Because all that judgment isn't going to help with the, any answers. So um, in this particular case, uh, the individual, so now we're talking three, three days later. He was sent home, did not come in today, but has a doctor's appointment today. Um, and he's still being paid. Mm -hmm. So we still pay full pay. Uh, we have submitted it as a workers' comp um, incident, and then we'll handle it with medical only. And 
we will keep him on the payroll and get him back to return to work light duty within the week, I'm sure. Yeah, so it'd be fair to say you doubled down the past six months in your uh, safety training, ladder safety and, and all. So have you seen a, a, a stabilization in terms of, of injuries or well, maybe, actually, maybe heightened awareness? To be honest with you, I had a back injury from somebody a week and a half ago, and they have a, they're going to a specialist. So no, back injuries tend to be um, – I don't know how controllable they are. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of awareness that you could do around that, but there's not much in the way of, of enforcement. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, it's just it's a it's an injury that it's a business that's physical and it can happen. And most times, thankfully, they get better. The I guess the the key piece I've learned over the years is to um, manage the injury. Do not let this person away. Do not let them miss work more than a day or two, uh, get them to a doctor. Uh, there's no waiting at home till you get better scenario. We get them to the doctor. Our, the doctor will tell us, a, will give us a return to work, light duty. We'll have a job description for the person, and they'll be back to work with before this week. As you remember, I had a person fall last year and break his back. Yeah. And I had a return to work, light duty in two and a half months, and in three and a half months, I had returned to work full duty. Andy is working full time now, injury free. So, so takeaway here really is, uh, no matter all the training you do, there's going to be some injuries, um, and when you do, manage it tight. Manage stay close tight. to them. Show that that you care. Yep. Right. You care more than the attorney they're watching on TV. Yeah. Uh, and, and they, you just do not let time pass. Yep. You need to get this person back to work at some capacity. The light duty uh, program vital. Absolutely. Even you know mentally, the employee needs it. They they don't need to be home uh, mm. without without being productive. Particularly somebody who's used to being productive. The right. whole mental aspect. Then you're talking about the commercials they're watching on TV with those attorneys. Okay, so let's go on to, to the next mess. Uh, the next big mess is a mess I'm having on every coaching call. Uh, You're having it. I feel better anyway when you tell me everywhere. that. Everywhere. I mean, I'm calling this uh, employee exits wage pressure, but it's more than wage pressure. Kev, yeah, we were Kev, talking, and you said, what's going on? You yeah. said they're leaving for money, and I said, well, if we just write that off as they're leaving for money, that's going to be lazy. We need to do a better job of understanding why people leave. Mm. So, yeah, I've lost uh, one, two, three. I lost three last week, which, which was um, all in the beginning of the week. The good news is, is it's already Wednesday, and nobody has resigned this week. And most resignations usually come on Mondays and Tuesdays because people want to give their two weeks notice. Right. So they don't do that half-week thing. So we got through probably this week, so that's a good thing. But last week I lost um, three job leaders um, and another individual who I'd been training to become my safety um, director, and I'd been talking about this individual for a while. They had been doing a lot of great things in the company, and uh, so I lost uh, four key people, and I guess I lost a couple job leaders in the weeks or two before that. Um, I, think it, uh, I think to say it was money would be oversimplifying it. There's a case for each one, and yeah, we want to know why. We definitely want to know why someone's leaving, and incidentally, the weird thing about this is we just gotten back information that we had once again won a Best Place to Work Award, Top Places to Work Award um, in the Philadelphia region. So that was kind of ironic. But, you know, remember, I have 120 people, and if five of them leave, like, that's just that same rule we talk about all the time where 
there's always going to be a few, there's always going to be 10% of the people that are at the bottom and they're going to be moving in or out. And, and I didn't lose any key, key, key people. I lost people I'm upset about. Well, so, so it's not the wage, but, but let's talk about the wage. Cause in some cases, one guy was leaving for, I think the same amount of money, but much less administrative stress. work, yeah. less stress that all the things you put on many cases, clients that I'm working with, they're, they're being offered four bucks, five bucks an hour more, and it's pretty tough for them not to. When, what, what's your position on, on the market adjustment for the wages in, in the contracting industries? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I think the wages are too low all along, um, but then you have to be able to charge for it because you can't just pay people more money than you can get and be profitable, obviously. Mm -hmm. So um, they have to work hand in hand. You have to be able to raise your prices and we've been able to raise our prices the last couple of years. So we've been able to raise our prices, and then we have to raise wages as well. There's always been this like $20 an hour mark for, for painters where, you know, they, and that's been that way for like 20 years. Like they just, there's been no increase in the real wage or buying power, or earning power of a painter. Um, so uh, we've been pretty proactive to make sure that we are paying well. Um, you know, we've done research on other websites to see what the offers are, and we just want to make sure that we're paying better than competitive. Um, I will tell you that there's no way you can combat, um, at least not short-term, 1099 pays or cash businesses. I mean, we've lost people that went somewhere because they were making 3 or $4 an hour plus cash. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't feel bad about that. I, Someone's making their own value decision. I, there's nothing I can do about it. But um, the thing to do is to evaluate why I think each person leaves and to literally do as much of an exit <coughs> strategy as possible. So incidentally, we went through a scenario of what happens when someone gives notice. Um, and so here's the scenario. Okay, so if you, if you don't give notice, then you forfeit all your, any PTO you have. Um, and you also obviously are leaving on bad terms, so we won't give you um, a good re referral anywhere if you didn't give us notice. Now, if you gave us notice and you're going to a competitor, we're going to thank you very much. You left on good terms. We'll give you your PTO, uh, but we're going to send you home right away because we don't want you working in, at our house no when, you're, when you're basically going to a competitor. Um, and if you're going to go to someone that's a non-competitor um, and you're going to a non-industry competition, we'll ask you to work to two weeks. We'll thank you very much. We'll give you all the benefits, and we'll even wish you well. Um, maybe have a party for you. So uh, <clears throat> that's just sort of the way, the way it goes down. Um, but so the, the key takeaway there is you have to know why they're leaving, right? So we had a couple instances where we didn't, they wouldn't say why they were leaving. And I said, well, if you don't tell me why you're leaving, that's the same as leaving on bad terms. I assume you're going to a competitor. I'm going to consider that you're leaving on bad terms. Uh, see you later. Thank you very much. And so that that could happen. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, at the end of the day, to get, to not take it so personally. That's what I tell myself. We always talk about what we tell ourselves, right? Not so much, not so much how we feel, but what we tell ourselves. And I'm telling myself, we're doing the right thing. We're, we're trying to pay really good wages. We're, we're trying to make sure we're on top of that game. And that some people are going to move on for their own reasons. And we want to make sure that it's not because they were working for a bad boss. So, so takeaways here are, first, it's okay to raise wages to weigh, raise the value of 
trades in general. That's let's, a good thing. We probably. want we want good people. Yeah. Let's let's and let's let's get our sales. If we're capable people. of getting the wages up. Yeah. We should do it. And, and particularly when when it's it, there, there's high demand in a lot of construction markets where you can charge more. Let's do it. The so, so that that speaks to then a market adjustment. So so you were saying to me during the run that you look at sort of the wage sheet frequently and you, yes. you make sure where you know where are we you rank your employees and then you put their wage next to them and if you've got guys that are that are high in the ranking and lower or average in in the wage get ahead of it yeah get ahead so we've of been it. ahead of it for a while now what we've been doing is we've been using the learning paths and we've been using uh, a, a monthly evaluation of everybody on a particular team I have four teams we go through each team so today we went through 30 people on a team. And we reviewed uh, when the last time they got a raise, when they started with the company, how they're doing on their learning paths. We discussed what their, what their issues were. Well, are they happy? Uh, I, I, re I met with Kevin today. He actually was worried. He didn't lose anybody. He didn't have anybody take any exits. He went to all of his guys and he said, tell me right now, are you staying? And I love they it. They all told him that he was staying. So I was happy about that. That's great. Yeah. So uh, that's the cascading communication right. where he was being direct about it. I don't have any way to meet these people to do this, but he's doing it. And if he's reading body language, he would know if someone's not, and then he could, he could find out what's yep. going on. And, yep. Yeah, yeah. And then we gave out some raises proactively. <clears throat> I guess I always had the feeling that nobody should ever have to ask for a raise, that, they, that you should be the one to pick up on the fact that they deserve a raise because they're, mm. they're adding more value than you are paying them. And you want to bring that more in line? Yeah, and of course, um, you know, ultimately, if you pay them <clears throat> fairly and you treat them really well, that, that speaks to culture. You develop them. You have a learning pathway so they could see a career-based yeah, program and here. Some people are going to leave, and, and, and some I, will. I was struggling with that. I mean, just internally, like, why would they leave? I thought we were great. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, at the end of the day, people move. For, they do things for their reasons, and. I, you know, I just got to make sure that uh, I've, I'm treating it kind of like the Army. You know, we're going to train people for a couple of years. They're going to stay with us. Some are going to become lifers. Others are going to use us as a stepping stone to other things in life. And in the meantime, we train them fast. We train them well. We make, we make them productive. Um, they're valuable to our team. You know, it does speak to understanding your, your uh, turnover rate and to know what your numbers are, how many applicants you got to bring in if ultimately you want to keep so many people on board. So go back to, to your numbers and really monitor your numbers. Close rates. Well, they're, they're certainly a little crazier this year, but we're absolutely monitoring numbers. And as you know, we're recruiting heavily because you have to be. Um, I have a friend that I ran with on Saturday who is in charge of 125 Outback Steakhouses. And he said that they need to hire 1,500 people in just his region. Oh my gosh. So, and I read an article today that, that uh, at some date in May, uh, Taco Bell is hoping to hire 5,000 people in one weekend through a national effort. They will be hiring people. They won't even ask them to get out of their cars. So, so I mean, there's certain industries that are getting slammed right now, and the restaurant industry is definitely going to get slammed. If they're not getting slammed now, they're going to get slammed very shortly. So and our industry is slammed. So I talk about often on my coaching calls that recruiting and training have to be core functions. A core function is something that happens every day, that there's someone responsible for it, that there's someone creatively seeking new avenues, they know there's barriers, 
It's not just about putting an Indeed ad in and hoping and then getting sad when no one shows up. Uh, it's about it's about partnerships with uh, yeah, so hiring we, firms. I think I've mentioned we, we've pretty much completely changed our priority. Um, budgets changed to, to uh, recruiting. A lot of marketing budget transferred over. Um, the, the half hour, we had a half hour marketing meeting this morning, and we had an hour recruiting meeting yesterday. So the hmm. the energy has definitely focused on where it needs to be, because we've got to be leading uh, for our own solution. Okay, let's move on. That we could spend the whole time there, and, and no doubt there'll be more discussion in uh, future podcasts about that subject. But let's talk about surprise inspections. You know. Over the course of 40 years, Kev, you've had a few of these where, you know, knock, 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 whether it's OSHA or Department of Labor or Homeland the Security, Bucks County. IRS. Yeah, uh, this time it's the it's a Bucks County township. Yeah, so it was a local township in, um, in Bucks County where we have an office. So we, we have a warehouse office in Bucks County. We've been there a year. Um, they did an inspection. Uh, we sprayed kitchen cabinets in one half of it. Um, they, they went uh, ballistic on my guy. They didn't call me. I don't know why, but um, I, made, I went down and put in applications for permits. Um, and then they came again. Instead of calling me, they went ballistic on my guy again. They had my information, which was strange. But at any rate, I'm dealing with a township inspector who has, is threatening to shut us down. Um, as you know, some of this, a lot of passive aggressive in some of these folks. So for instance, after, that out, after them coming in and screaming, I called him four times to try to get him to call me back over the last four days. He finally calls me back today, and he goes, can you remind me again what the problem was? <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, uh, they want to shut down my spray booth in there. I said, it's not a spray booth. It's just a spray room. We don't spray uh, any solvent-based chemicals. He didn't seem to know what to do with that. I told me he, I needed to get uh, some type of commercial drawings. So I said to him, well, I'll knock the walls down and we'll just spray in the room without the walls. So anyway, he's going to have to get his boss involved and, and there's going to be a follow-up meeting. But, you know, the interesting thing was is I called him four times. And um, Now, why would you do that, Kev? So I mean, I why are you calling, calling, the lion, it, calling the lion back in? Yeah, if I just ignored it, I just know it's going to, the outcome's not going to be as good as the, unless if I just take Attack the on. lion. Attack the lion, yeah. It's there. I mean, why am I going to worry about it? So... I just made it a piece of uh, my action item every morning to call them. And then, so it hasn't disappeared. Still dealing with it. Um, just another problem. Yeah, so, so let's, um, real quick, how do you uh, recommend to people listening how to be ready for any host of inspection body that could show up on your doorstep? So, so, so that you're not living in fear of, of things. I mean, you've. Yeah, I mean, I really wish that this guy didn't let anybody in without me being there. Mm. So there would be probably some more education. So know your rights in terms yeah. of, yeah. yeah. We have let people in. We now have a security on our building um, at our main office where you, you know there's a camera and you have to press a doorbell. We see your face. We don't let you in unless we know who you are. Um, and I think that's important because we've had, I've had these inspectors that just walk right in um, and this was another case of that, so. so. So pause, let some time happen so that you can be, in, in control of what information yeah. is going their way. Yeah. I think that's key. Um, 
Let, let's talk about the next mess. Let's talk about uh, the cost of warranty. You were telling me this the other day. Well, you know, spring oh. is a, always a crazy time of year. Yeah. It seems like, you know, all of a sudden it's just like the, the gates just open and everything from uh, opportunities to problems just start piling in uh, to exits to everything else. Um, and it actually is a stressful time of year, even though it's, it's a good stress. It's better than the winter stress, but it's still stress. Um, so we had a customer who apparently... Um, and this is really, I was talking to you about when, about problem solving and when to bring people in, mm -hmm. you know, because we've talked about this a lot. So I have this, I, I find out on Wednesday a week ago that um, we've replaced two doors in a condominium association. Um, and there's nine other people that want their doors replaced uh, because the paint's been peeling. I guess on some of the efforts to, to, fixed the peeling paint, we destroyed the two doors, or at least one of the two doors. I don't know all the details. All I know is that my team has been involved about 20 or 30 visits back there, and I finally found out about it. I didn't, I didn't, someone asked me to help, and I got involved, and so I immediately went out there, because once again, attacked the lion. <laughs> so he's better to go after the problem and I did some fact-finding um, and then arranged an appointment with the president of the association and then I told everybody, do not go back there again until we had a resolution. And um, long story short, I told the president of the association that we would paint, do any touch-ups up until his warranty uh, expired on June 10th, and we would do them all on one day um, in early June. After that, we won't be doing any more touch-ups, and that we will replace doors at $1,000 a door, plus we'll paint the outside of the door at no charge. So um, he seemed to think that was a pretty good idea um, and spread it around, and everybody seems to have accepted it as a fair, fair deal. And I was just wondering, like, why didn't anybody else think of that? Well, because it wasn't that complicated. So, I mean, so, so here, here's the uh, crux of, of this issue. I mean, you've been uh, a master problem solver for a lot of years. Well, because I had to, and, right? But, and you, but, so, but the problems that get to you are less and less. True. We call like 99% yep. go to us and the one go to them. But, so it seems to me your biggest job over the next few years is to really teach problem solving. Yeah teach other people how to solve problems reasonably I thought, I thought without making enemies. I I yeah, I yeah. I so as, as you put uh, John Meyer into the CEO role in a few years, you become his coach on solving problems. I'm, I imagine he solved a few oh, yeah. in, in his Absolutely. decades here. Absolutely. Uh, and I guess, you know, some problems will be solved differently by others with different outcomes, and you judge the success or failure of each one. Yeah. Individually, right? But, yeah. Um, and, and you got to know when to give in, pull back, settle yeah, yeah, with the yeah. customer. This was where I wish that I had been contacted before the earlier. Like we would have saved thousands of dollars if yeah. I would have been told about this a year ago. Uh, but, oh, well, well, I guess you just let that happen and try to get the same takeaway to out of it that you'd want out of any mistake that you made. Well, this, this fifth one falls into that same sort of category. This is... Uh, that was a warranty issue that just kept on going. This is another tough, tough customer. Yeah. 200 hours in, no deposit was taken. She's not happy. What are you doing, Kev? 
Yes, you know, I get calls like this from, from Summit members all the time sort of asking me, and there are no win situations. I mean, there's no, I'm not winning this thing. Just <laughs> um, So it's really about coming to some kind of conclusion, one way or the other, and ho hopefully the best for us, but probably not good. Um, so we should have gotten a deposit. We didn't. These were shutters. We took them back to our office. They were massive shutters. They were old 150, 200-year-old shutters or whatever. And we put a lot of time in on them. And then we returned the shutters. We were going to put a, we, we, they were primed and painted. They were going to get, they got hung. We were going to put a finished coat after they were hung. She stopped us. She's unhappy. Um, that was back in October. All along, we've been trying to figure out a solution. We'll take them off. We'll bring them back. Um, long story short, we went back there last week. We told her what we were planning on doing. Um, she said she'd get back to us. She got back to us because, once again, she's not good at confrontation. Mm -hmm. So she sends an email, said what you said wasn't acceptable. And so what I've said is, well, we're not doing anything without a deposit check. And now that's where it stands. <clears throat> so I'm out about twelve dollars or $14,000, haven't had a deposit check, and don't think I'm getting one even. Um, don't think we're gonna, she hasn't responded. Don't think we're going to be getting the next step. So the next, we're going to likely threaten to sue her, uh, but I won't sue her. Don't yeah. tell her that. But <laughs> And then you'll move on. I'll move on. You'll move on because yeah. some, some will, some won't. So what next? Yeah, I mean, I don't like taking a hit, but, I mean, stubborn? I'm not that stubborn. <clears throat> At the end of the day, I want to I wanna go out and conquer new frontiers, not go after the ones that are going to be losers and get lost in. Yeah. So... Um, so we'll threaten because there might be some opportunity to say, hey, we don't want to do this with legal. Give us a few thousand bucks. We'll go away. Maybe, maybe I'll let you know. Stay tuned. But I'm not expecting it. But I'm preparing myself mentally for the fact that we should have gotten a deposit. We should have bought, we should have done a whole bunch of things differently because you should always, you should always basically have the potential if it, what would happen if it went wrong. And we didn't this time. So I know my dad would have said, did you get a deposit? And he would have said, I would have said no. And he said, what's wrong? I thought we talked all about that. <laughs> That's dad for you. Yeah. Let's hit this last one. Uh, we call on this one uh, litigious employees. And um, this is one that I sort of brought up to Kev because uh, of the many clients I have that have let go employees that weren't, weren't satisfactory for many reasons. And uh, I guess it's pretty easy in states like uh, California, Illinois, to sue. And uh, uh, they, the uh, attorneys that represent the employers often recommend settling. And so uh, a lot of settlements happening when there shouldn't have never been a settlement because the employer didn't do anything wrong. Right. But uh, some, some employee has uh, a rock in their shoe and if they feel somehow they weren't treated fair or they just want to abuse the system because they know they can. And so how do we avoid this? We talked about um, some, some pre-stuff and then some post-stuff. Do you want to address this, Kev? Yeah, so um, I've not been sued by, you know, I had a couple of phantom suits, but it disappeared really quickly. But I've not really been sued by anybody for, for this. And mostly because of the, and each state is different, right? There's definitely some legal issues around um, individual states and employment at will and things mm -hmm. like that. But generally speaking, I think generally speaking, a lot of this will hold true which is you really want to avoid um, being, you got to be very careful with all the protected classes, right? The six protected classes and um, 
obviously age and sex and race and religious belief, union affiliation, sexual orientation, that might have been all sex. At any rate, when you're dealing with those issues, you better be really, really careful before you let someone go. So, um, so a lot of these involve sex and age because that's what we're dealing with. Older folks who sometimes sue, um, sometimes you know, someone will sue because they feel like they were sexually discriminated against. At the end of the day, whenever those issues are even the slightest bit at risk, you should settle beforehand. Um, so I was telling you about the story where I let someone go. Um, let's call her Mary. Mary made it through uh, the pandemic, but then I realized that I had made a mistake keeping Mary because she was a manager, and I really didn't need a manager. I needed more of a doer. So I made a mistake. Um, I kept her on too long. Then by, the, by September, October this year, I realized that I had to do something. So we talked about it a few times directly with her about her productivity, what she was able to do as a doer. Direct conversations. Direct conversations. They were documented. Um, what does that a, sound like? As a doer. Well, we were even so specific as to talk about the fact that she was making mistakes as she was transcribing phone calls from paper notes to a computer. So, so you really need someone who can type into the computer directly. That's what a doer does. Mm -hmm. Right? A manager doesn't necessarily have to do that. By the way, I can't type into the computer while talking on the phone either. So it's something that's a specific skill. So we talked about the fact that that's what was required in that job, and she actually even agreed that that was a skill that she would hire for, that when she was a manager she knew was required. And as a result, the transcription of that after the phone call created mistakes. So we were documenting the mistakes. Um, and then, um, then we changed it, though, because at the end of the day, I wasn't trying to fire for cause. Because if you're going to get rid of somebody for cause, then you're going to have to really rely on that information and say that that information is the reason. You're going to court over it, and you're going to use that information for court. Okay? So I don't want to go to court. I don't want to fire her for cause and then have to give her a settlement or have court down the road. So I did a severance package. Um, I was generous. I gave her $10,000. I paid her till the end of the month. It was mid-September, so that was two more weeks. Uh, I paid her health care for two more months. I made a deal. Yeah, you know, I, I've always done that. I, I've always been generous in the uh, severance package uh, category because then they leave maybe thinking I was treated a little bit fairly. Absolutely. And I'm not going to be angry and come that. back to you. She and even so appreciated I, it, it. Pay me now. Pay me later. It's going to really? be, you're going to pay like And you a have lawyer. a much better opportunity yeah. to dictate the terms. And, of course, you get them to uh, sign a, a settlement, which settlement. Is, uh, is key. But this really begins um, several months back with um, – um, I, I don't think there's enough direct conversations happening uh, between the, the uh, supervisor and the employee where the employee understands they are not performing the job up to par, whatever that is. Well, and that's so, a problem. So when you were talking about settlement, it really doesn't come down to should I settle or shouldn't I settle. It comes down to what do you have in terms of all that background. Right? Right. Like if you have background that indicates that there was documented like was background, performance issues, tardiness, missing work, things that are basically fireable offenses um, in most states, then I would think that you would be less likely to settle. If, in fact, you're weak in those areas, even if you were wronged, take it the same way as I'm taking the shutter thing. Just accept it. Yeah. And yeah. move on. So it, those listening, if you're avoiding being direct and giving someone feedback who you're talking a lot about with your peers, then, then uh, be careful. 
Um, so that's the message for this week and this month. Well, I, um, I mean, Brian, you tell me I whine about these problems. I'm not whining about them. I'm talking about them. And to be honest with you, I do feel better after I talk them out. And yeah. uh, I've been mentioned to a lot of people I can't really talk about them with my wife because it would really make her stressed out. Well, you know, so Kev's like Rocky. You know, like in the Rocky movie, you see Rocky gets beat up pretty good, right? He gets like, how did he take that hit? Boom! In the face. And he looks and awful. Then, but then Rocky comes... <laughs> But then Rocky comes back, and he comes back with, like, meter, and he attacks the lion. And so I've always said that about you. I, I knock you down, then I pick you back up, Kev. So this, Thanks for doing that. This concept of identity role, too, is not to take any of this personally. But it's hard because we're, we're business owners. We're, our identity is associated I mean, with our work. Someone, I mean, you show me someone that, that, like, it's a good loser, and I'll show you a loser, you know? <laughs> You someone doesn't take it. Someone that doesn't take it personally doesn't care, and I'll show you somebody who's uncaring. Yeah. So yeah. it's double, definitely double-edged sword. You know. So for a future podcast, uh, let's let's talk about teaching problem solving to other people. I think that's going to become a key thing. Watching other people solve problems yeah. uh, and how they go about it. So thank you for helping us clean this mess up. Uh, you know, thank we're you. Uh, we're a transparent here. We. We, we teach a lot of systems, uh, but no matter how many systems you have in place, you're still going to have problems, and you got to realize that have problems, eat them for breakfast. Have a, have a good breakfast. Until next time. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for a future episode? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.